Today we wrap up our three-part series as we've been counting down the top 10 shows of 2022. Two episodes ago, we started at number 10 and we've worked our way down the list that brings us to our top three of this past year. Here are the topics we'll hear about today. The types of cattle setting the markets, identifying six things that are causing stress in your ranching business, and maybe you'll identify with one or two or maybe all six. And finally, why own cows? It's the top three shows of 2022. Stay tuned as we work it down on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. And we welcome you to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Thanks for joining us here on our program as we wrap up 2022 with the final show of our three-part series as we've been counting down the top 10 shows of 2022. Two episodes ago, we started at 10, and we're now down to the top three shows here today. And uh, in just a few moments, I will go back through some of those and get you kind of up to speed in case you've missed some of the previous episodes, as well as some of the shows that I kind of throw in the category of honorable mention that I think had some very valuable information in it as well. And one of the things that we really strive to do here at the Working Ranch Radio Show is have programs and have topics that I think are very relevant to many of us as ranchers. As, as if you've listened for some time, you know that I ranch here in northeastern Wyoming. We have a couple places here. I'm located uh, in the little town of Upton, Wyoming. And then we have another place just 30 miles north, which is the ranch where I grew up on. And between those uh, two places, uh, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a full-time job. Uh, Uh, with those two ranches uh, going on, but at the same time, You'll notice that a lot of the topics that I do try to pick up uh, are things that I think are many of us have on our minds at the given time. And so uh, in addition to various different interviews that we'll have with folks that hit different topics throughout the year, and we hope you've enjoyed this. You know, one of the things that helps us and kind of gives us a gauge on what direction we need to be going is if you like, if you hear an episode and you like it, let us know. Either hit the like button or leave a comment in the in the episode's comments or, or various ways that you can do that. Or if you've seen the post, on social media, like it there, share it out as well. That's helpful helpful to us. It's helpful to me because then I know that if there's a certain kind of topics that people are really enjoying out there, I can continue to look for more of those things and bring those uh, to you all as listeners. But more than anything, we really do appreciate all of you listening here uh, at the Working Ranch Radio Show. And on behalf of Working Ranch Magazine, from all of us, we hope you have a, a great uh, 2023 as we look at the year ahead. Before before we get too far, I do want to thank our sponsors of today's show, Zenpro Avela 4. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zenpro Avela 4. And the American Simmental Association, Heterosis Works, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. And Gain Smart Mineral by Biozyme. Increase pasture utilization with the AmaFirm Advantage found in all Gain Smart Minerals. Find out more at GainSmart.com. And finally, Performance Ranch. Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch. Find out more at performancelivestockanalytics.com. And at this time, we're going to turn to the captain, Tim O'Byrne. He is publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine. Joins us in every episode. And here is this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. This is going to be short and sweet. Folks, uh, I guess my New Year's message would be 
pretty simple. Keep the faith. Maintain it. Teach it to your kids. And honor the flag. Help your neighbors out. Keep doing what you're doing. And um, I saw a meme on social media on our Facebook page here the other day, and it said something to the effect of, did anybody lunge 2023 or top it off before we all get on? And I kind of thought that was appropriate. Given the last couple of years, folks, thank you so much for joining Working Ranch Magazine, Working Ranch Radio, on our ride to serve the beef production industry and every single person and every single critter in it. This is Tim O'Burn wishing you a blessed, happy, and productive 2023. You bet. Thanks, Captain, for that. And also to you and Christine, I wish you guys the very best in 2022. Well, as we talked about at the very top of the program, uh, we are wrapping up our third of a three-part series of doing the top 10 shows of 2022. And before we jump into uh, getting into our final three shows for 2022, I did want to kind of recap and give you an idea of where we were at and where we've gotten to so far here today. We started out a couple episodes ago with our number 10 show for the year at episode 85, Should I Sell My Carbon Credits? And that aired out on September 2nd of 2022. 2022. Again, that was episode 85 on carbon credits. Then we moved down to episode uh, in the ninth slot, and that was episode 97. That's more of a recent show. It was on Sustainable Beef LLC, as it uh, is about uh, the beef packing plant opening up in uh, North Platte, Nebraska. That was episode 97, and it aired on December 2nd. Then the show that was uh, in the number eight slot was episode 80. That was using long-term forecasts for stocking decisions. That aired in July uh, 29th of this past year, and and looking at past weather data and as we continue to accumulate more weather data, we're able to do that even better but using that and they had also uh, a decision tree in that show to where you could put plug in some of your information and that might help you in making stocking decisions using some of that weather. So that was the eighth show. As we moved into last week's show, we started at number seven and that was episode 76, expanding your cattle herd in an up market and we are kind of in that folks right now. I know we've had some drought across many portions of our country that has really depleted our cattle herd. But as we see this market starting to cycle up a bit, uh, it was episode 76. And that was a conversation I had with Wally Olson out of Claremore, Oklahoma. Episode uh, 76 was the number seven show for this past year. The show in number six was episode 83. And it was about the Calgary Stampede's OH Ranch. As uh, we heard, uh, kind of took a ranch tour and heard about that as my guests were manager Ken Pigeon and his wife Deb joining me to talk about the OH Ranch that the Calgary Stampede owns then the number five show for the year was the horse as from essential to and it was dot 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 kind of left open there and that was my conversation with idaho horseman and stockman martin black that was episode 65 that aired on april 8th the show that came in at number four was episode 87 fall cow work are we making the most of it and i had a conversation with dr steve paisley from the university of wyoming about how we can maximize the time that we bring them cattle in in the fall to reduce stress and hopes of, of keeping the sickness out of those cattle and uh, better use of that vaccine, of course, as well. And so it was a great conversation that that had a lot of practicality. Episode 87 was the number four show uh, so far. So that leaves us where we're at today. So stay with us. When we come back, we're going to get started as we'll look at what show came in in the number three slot for 2022. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this.
Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as today's program is the third and final set in a series of three shows where we have looked back over the course of 2022 and identifying what we thought were the top 10 shows of this past year. And we're going to get started into number three. And this was a show that aired on June 17th. It was episode 75. What type of cattle are setting the price in the cattle market? And it was coming on the heels of an article that uh, uh, Shaley Stewart with DTN and Cattle Market News uh, put out. And here is part of that conversation that I had with Shaley about this topic of what type of cattle are setting the price in our markets. You had an article that you come out here as a DTN livestock analyst that was pushed out. And the title of it was the wrong type of cattle are setting the market prices. And I'm going to go to the very last line of that article when it said, you know, that really those of us in ranching. Now, I know for folks that maybe really understand the cash cattle market, maybe they were aware of this and probably wasn't totally surprised by this. But really, it's getting into, as you said, in that very last line is believing that the market starters are a true representation of the market is is a fallacy is also a fallacy let's talk about the premises of this article and what you were wanting to get across in the message of this well justin this is a great topic to address because even though like you said not a lot of folks have experience with the cash cattle market because you know not everybody trades fat cattle we can all understand it and understand how it influences prices and affects really everybody from the feedlot sector all the way down to the cow-calf producer so let's go ahead and put it in cow-calf producer terms okay. So this past week, Superior had their first big going to grass sale. And, you know, we saw calves selling on the on the market and mm-hmm. some sold great. Some sold, you know, here, there, wherever, depending on what type of cattle they were. But, you know, we all savvied that information. We all savvied those prices because we wanted to understand what the feeder cattle market, what the fall market of 2022 was going to be. We wanted to get something, get a gauge, get a grasp, get an understanding of what that market was going to entail later this fall. And given that we hadn't really seen a good test of what the market would be this upcoming fall, because it's been too early for feeder cattle and calves to trade, we all really gravitated to those sales for that information. Mm -hmm. And so that in and of itself is a market starter. Now, obviously, just like on the sale in Superior this past week, the fat cattle market each and every week has market starters itself. And so as the market is undeveloped for for the week, or like I said, in comparison to Superior sale, when we start the market, we always have to ask ourselves not only what are the prices starting the market, but what are the cattle representing those prices? And so let's put it in cow-calf terms. If you had an individual who, you know what, he didn't have a lot of funds to work with, and so he had to scrounge up every penny, like I guess all of us. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, he wanted to get in. He wanted to get into some calves because he understood that this uh, calf market was going to be strong in the fall of 2022. And you know what? He what he did is he went ahead and bought up some bum calves. And so you know what? Let's say that he's got. 
60 of them to sell and uh, grew them up. And so, you know, they're kind of a put together set, not necessarily something that you'd want to market to the feedlots because you don't know exactly how they're going to grade, how they're going to perform, what their feed intake is going to be or how they're going to grow and develop. But you know what? He has a group of calves together and he's going to sell them. Now, if adversely, we have an individual who, let's say, comes from a renowned, you know, reputation, a historical ranch that's been, you know, running cattle for, let's say, 40, 50, 60 years, knows the genetics inside and out, knows how the cattle do in the feedlots, how they perform, how they grade, how they yield. You wouldn't expect that necessarily the same that the same number of calves, if Joe Blow down the road sold 60 of those bum calves, mm-hmm. and then the guy that has the historical ra- uh, ranch sold 60 of those calves, you wouldn't think that they that they demand the same price, would you? No, you wouldn't. No, you no, you wouldn't. And so that's the same thing on the fat cattle market. Is even just because the fat cattle market has prices summoned and has market starters, we have to ask what are those prices representing? Are they representing the quote unquote cattle like this, the uh, bum calves, or are they representing the long historical genetics of a reputation ranch? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying that the bum calves are a bad thing for the market because guess what? We all have got to figure out this marketplace and navigate profit where we can deem profit um, available and, uh, and the opportunity exists. But we have to say, okay, when we are marketing our animals, not only what are the prices, but what is representing that price? Because mm-hmm. we know our product and what we're trying to represent. And from that, we have to take that data and say, should our should our target value be more than that or less than that? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's the issue, you know, we're bringing out here is the fact that as you talk about in your article, the market starters in the cash cattle market and, and not to be derogatory towards these type of cattle, but it's, it's not what people are thinking is maybe, uh, you know, prime beef that's going, you know, that's being sold to the Packers. Exactly. Exactly. And and like I highlighted in the article, you know, it could be anything from Holstein cross calves, Mexican uh, or originated cattle, um, HT cattle, what have you. And like you said, they belong in our market Mm -hmm. because we need those cattle. We have a place in our market for those cattle. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the bell ringers, like the genetics that are sourced out of, you know, you know, uh, reputable herds and, and out of the north, per se. They're not the same type of cattle. And so it doesn't make sense to sell cattle that, you know, that are feeding in Nebraska or feeding in Wyoming and Montana, South Dakota, Kansas, what have you, that they should deem the same price, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. I want to get back to this article and and the terminology that you use is market starters. And, and this is really, as, as you pointed out in this article this is a mechanism that really has been used in this cash cattle market for quite some time am i correct absolutely yes and and so with this tool that's it's a tool that basically the the packers are using and it's and and this isn't a show in which we're going to go after the packers necessarily but it's at the same time we have to understand that this is part of that process and when you're pointing this out to us i guess for me it was just we realized that wow we really need to be aware of of this tool that's being used out there and that that's part of what is setting this tone oh you're you're so right and i think the biggest point in which i tried to highlight in that article is that we have to demand more insight into our markets because that's where our profits are garnished and so as cattlemen as feedlots as cow calf producers as backgrounders we have to ask more questions. And so, all right, the cash cattle market is a little bit different than that of the feeder cattle market because feeder cattle trade realistically five days, five and a half days a week, 
realistically pretty much 52 weeks throughout the year. You know, obviously on holiday weeks, not so much, but they're always trading. The cash cattle market is different. Realistically, prices are set in a one hour time span each and every week. And so the cash cattle market is hard because as soon as you start to hear prices buzzing, people start to get a little bit of that uh, rumbling in their stomach and the butterflies in their in their stomach. And they say, okay, what's this mean for my show list? What's this mean for my penny cattle that I have to trade? Is this what I want? Is this not what I want? Do I dare pass up a bid and wait for tomorrow and hope that the market gets stronger? They have to be a little bit more strategic because there's not as many options. The cash cattle market isn't traded as robustly. But as cow-calf producers, that's, that's okay. Unfortunately, that's how the cash cattle market is traded. But for us, we do have more options. Mm-hmm. And so while a lesson that we can take from the cash cattle market is that we have to demand more. We have to demand more insight. We have to demand more understanding and we have to fully understand what is selling, what those prices represent and what that means for our operation, our calves that we have to sell and how we should market them. Mm-hmm. And we'll cut in here as that's just a portion of my conversation with Shaylee Stewart with DTN and Cattle Market News as we were talking on episode 75, what type of cattle are setting the price in the market. And I know a lot of folks, uh, you have probably heard of Shaylee or you've You've either watched her on YouTube or, or social media, or she has spoken at a convention conference that you have been at. She's very sharp, studies these markets every week, and that brings us very good analysis on that. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that show. Keep in mind that as we are playing snippets of these shows, as we have been working down through the top 10 shows, I'm only playing about a third of the conversation we had, just enough that I hope you'll go back and listen to them again. And even if you've heard them before, I would encourage you to go back and listen listen to as well but again the show that came in at number three was episode 75 what type of cattle are setting the price in the market well stay with us when we come back we're going to get to the show that came in at number two in our rankings on the working ranch radio show Cattle producers, here's a way to put more dollars in your pocket. Put the Amifirm advantage found in all Gain Smart Mineral to work in your cow herd. Amifirm is the industry leader in increasing fiber digestion. In fact, research shows putting Amifirm to work increases forage utilization by 10%, reducing overall forage costs and allowing you to graze more animals per acre. That's a big time return on your investment. To find which Gain Smart Mineral formula is right for your herd, visit gainsmart.com. Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy-to-use app that simplifies record-keeping and makes decision-making easier. Keep track of herd inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important herd data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to performancelivestockanalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we are counting them down, the top three shows of 2022. If you missed the last segment, we were at the show that hit the number three in the rankings. It was episode 75 on what type of cattle are setting the price in the market. My interview with Shaley Stewart with DTN and Cattle Market News. In the show that came in at number two, and I had mentioned this in the last segment as well, that keep in mind, folks, I'm playing just about a third of my conversation with these folks. And 
And we're going to get into, as well as the last show, some of these shows here, these final ones, that really there is a lot of meat on these shows. And I encourage you to go back and listen to these, even if you've heard them before. Uh, For myself, I've put these together. I know what they're about. And I still enjoyed going back and listening to these shows as well. This one is no different. The show that comes in at number two is episode 82. It was the six P's to a healthy ranching business. And it was my interview and conversation with Alan Crockett. He's a business coach and ranching consultant out of Wilcox, Arizona. As we talked about these six P's, we identified them and talked a little bit more about them. Let's jump into that conversation right now. As you have consulted and you have taught for several years with ranchers across the country, where did this come from and what's the principle behind it? Well, they've come together just as I've worked with people. And and it seems like every business that I've worked with, at least one of these P's comes into play and sometimes two or three of them and and occasionally all of them. And, And so I just, you know, a convenient way to put it together and call it the six P's is what I've done. Um, People, principles, priority, plan, profit, and progress are the, are the six P's. And, mm-hmm. and as you said, we'll get into those, but it really all revolves, revolves around people. What I've noticed is, is and, I, and I've said this, I think I said it on the show previously with you, every problem is a people problem. And if we can't get the people problems fixed and, and get people talking and communicating, there, there's really, we don't have a really good opportunity, a really good possibility or chance of really making progress the way we want to. Mm-hmm. So let's get started. You already kind of mentioned, and, and there's probably no mistaking why people is the f- first P on the list. There's probably, as you, as you just prefaced there a little bit ago, it, it seems like that is one of the biggest issues we deal with. So let's fo- let's start with the six P's, and you said people is the first P in that list. Yeah, it's really the most important one, too, because you know, if it kind of starts around trust and being trustworthy. And, and when I look at that, it, you know, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And, and if we don't, then all of a sudden trust starts to erode. And, and, and that could be in anything from a little deal of like putting out salt or fixing a fence or water gap to, you know, working on a drought plan or, or moving cows or, really monitoring the rangeland to see what's going on there. So it really comes down to trust and trustworthiness. I think another piece of that is transparency, that we don't have hidden agendas, that we we know what everybody involved in our team or on our team, what they're after, what they're trying to accomplish. I've seen that where, you know, in a, in a father-son relationship or two brothers Sometimes even husband and wife, there's there's uh, a lack of transparency. There's some hidden agendas, and and some of that has just come up over years because somebody didn't do what they said they were going to do, and now the trust has maybe been eroded a little bit, and and so it kind of starts there, and and making sure we're all all headed the same direction. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting because some advice, and it's not that I'm some wise owl here of, of knowledge, but I, it's something that I, I have, I've said to my kids and I said, your word is all you have to offer to somebody. And I think that gets back to what you were saying. That trust element is so key. And if that foundation is not there, there's, it's almost like there's really no point going forward. Yeah. And you know, you look back and especially in agriculture over the years, that our, our word was our bond. And if we said we were going to do something, we did it. And that was with our neighbors, with our banker, with, with anybody, the agencies that we work with, 
obviously within our families and and uh <laughs> it's interesting i i remember my grandfather years ago uh you know hearing the story i wasn't there it was one of my uncles and he was a teenager and 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 uh had decided not to do something he had committed to doing and my grandpa just looked at him and he said a man that don't keep his word ain't worth a damn mm-hmm. and turned and walked away <laughs> well it really sunk home with my uncle and he went back and did what he's you know what he had changed his mind and wasn't going to do went back and did it and i think that's that's kind of the way you know historically we've looked at that you know in in ranching and farming agriculture but we seem to have moved away from that and i don't know why that is uh i don't know if there's a different culture that's owning ranches and running ranches today than what there was 50 and 100 years ago but it it certainly is something that we really need to focus in on it and make sure that we do the things that we say we're going to do mm-hmm. yep let's move to the next one and that is principles so outline that one for us you know when I talk about principles, I like to talk about the law of gravity and, you know, we call it a law, but it's a principle and it doesn't matter if, you know, if, if you're in Wyoming where you are, or Arizona, where I am or Asia or Australia or Alaska, the law of gravity or the principle of gravity is the same. It always works every time you step, you know, down a step, you're going to go down. You step off a curb, you step down. If you, crawl up on your kitchen table and think you're going to walk across the kitchen. You're not, you're going to, you know, one step off the table and you're down. It always works. You, you step on a 10 story building and think you can walk off of it. Well, you will walk off and you'll come down. You know, we just don't walk through air. We, mm-hmm. it, it's a true and correct principle. So when I look at principles and, and maybe tie that back to people just a little bit, when we operate with people and with honesty and integrity and transparency and, common goals and common plans and and we're all pulling the cart the same direction we get someplace when we don't we butt heads so you could take that and you can say okay well there's ecological principles of of how we you know how we make grass grow the things that we have to have to to make grass grow those principles of growing grass like moisture and soil fertility and and soil temperature and photosynthesis and time those five principles they work any place in the world, and then it's just adjusting our plan according to that principle, those ecological principles. If it's cold and soil temperature is really low, we're not going to grow much feed, and you know that. If our moisture is low, we won't grow as much feed. If, if fertility is low, we won't. So we can look at those principles, and then we can say, okay, how can I work within those principles to try and grow more grass, increase soil fertility, and that kind of thing? So when I look at principles, whether it's people principles or ecological principles or, or even livestock and the way we work and handle livestock and those kinds of things, it, they're, they're true and correct principles and we just adapt them to our situation and where we are and, and where we are geographically and then maybe where we are socially and mentally and that kind of thing, but we work within those principles. Mm-hmm. So identifying and understanding them is, is kind of key. Yeah, I, I equate this particular subject that you and topic that we you and I are talking about with principles and trusting those with that of a pilot and having to trust his his instruments to fly and knowing that I'm going to get there based upon this this data that I'm be, that I'm receiving and, and manage off that data. And it's I, I'll tell you, and I not not to belabor the topic here, but that is philosophically very hard to do. 
It is. It, it is. And, and, and we've seen that, you know, you mentioned pilots and I'm a pilot and, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that. And, and there are, there are pilots who are no longer living, you know, that have died in plane crashes because they didn't trust their instruments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they flew right into the side of a mountain or they got, you know, in a cloud and, and, and just inverted and, and just came straight down into the ground. And, you know, how could you do that? You know, what would cause that? And yet it, it's, it's a thing of trust and, and, and not trusting the, the principles that are there. Mm-hmm. You bet. Alan, let's move on to the next one, and that is priority. So let's, let's uh, give us a foundation on that. Yeah, so the, the priority thing, what I, what I have seen is too often times we get so focused on working that we lose track of the things that are really important to us. And, and I mentioned this to a client of mine in Canada the other day, and, and he's, a, he's a first-generation rancher, made money in other businesses, and then been ranching for several years now and got out of the other businesses. But he made the comment, he says, at least 50% of, of the people that I associated with in my previous business are divorced. And they're divorced because they just spent so much time working, they neglected their families. And so when I look at priority, we just need to make sure that we don't lose focus of the things that matter most to us. And, and that can be your faith, uh, your family, uh, even your business. And, and within the business, certain things that you maybe have a priority you're trying to focus on. Uh, but don't forget about family and faith. You know, probably the two most important things, I, I say probably, I'll take the probably <laughs> out of that. The, yeah. the two most important things we have is our faith and our family. And and if we lose that because of business, I, we failed in the long run. And as we cut away from that conversation, you'll know if you were listening that uh, we only hit three of the six P's and there are three more to go. And he listed those out earlier. But if you want to hear more about those again, I would encourage you to go back and listen to this episode. It was episode 82, the six P's to a healthy ranching business. My interview and conversation with Alan Crockett, business coach and ranching consultant out of Arizona. Uh, A great show that has a lot of information in there and things to be thinking on. I know it was something as I was going through and listening to that again. Again, it just brought back to mind some of the things in my in our own ranching business here, and I find it interesting that many times the stress points in our in my ranching business uh, that I'm dealing with usually comes back to one of those six P's or a combination of those. So again, the show that came in at number two, it was episode 82, the six P's to a healthy ranching business. Well, coming up after the break, we finally gotten there. It'll be the number one show of 2022, and just the name alone created a little controversy. We'll get into it when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Set up the next generation for a productive lifetime with Zinpro Avela 4. Achieve productive success in your cows with 20% increased conception rate and a 16-day tighter calving interval. Calves from cows supplemented with Zinpro hit the ground running with improved immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zinpro Avela 4. 
And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we are counting down to the top 10 shows of 2022. And this is the segment where we talk about the show that come in ranked number one based upon you, the listeners and download data out there that we have. And it aired on Friday, March 18th is when it kicked out on the podcast platforms. It was episode 62 and it didn't come without a little controversy, even within our own rankings here at Working Ranch Radio Show and Working Ranch Magazine. For example, why in the world would I have a show that was titled this? And the title of episode 62 was Why Own Cows? Yeah, kind of a head scratcher just a little bit when we are bringing this topic on a ranching podcast or a ranching show. But it was a conversation that I had with Dallas Mount. He's the CEO for Ranch Management Consultants. And if you're a regular listener to Working Ranch Radio Show, you've known that we've had him on before to talk on other subjects. But today we got into why own cows, mainly and specifically talking about cow-calf operations. Is it your best option to own cows? Now, there's more to it. You got to understand there's more to it. But that was the question we threw out there. And here's just a portion of that conversation. When folks get into the ranching business or they go back to the ranch, that there's that assumption that if you're going to be in cow-calf, that you need to own those cows. And I think today what you're really kind of pushing back on is maybe that's an assumption we shouldn't make. Yeah, Yeah, I I appreciate that, Justin. So I'm just coming off a season where uh, we've been, you know, working with ranchers uh, from all over the country and doing a lot of economics and uh, to be, just put it, you know, as plain English as we can, cows often are the worst enterprise when we look at it from an economic perspective. Uh, So why does everybody make the assumption when they're getting into ranching that, hey, I'm going to ranch, I'm going to run cows, right? And it it seems like a given, uh, but I think it deserves some some more exploration. So uh, that's the reason I suggested this topic today. Well, I think it definitely deserves more explanation from you because I think you're talking to the wrong crowd here, (laughs) to be honest with you. (laughs) If we're going to get on here and we're going to talk about why why cows is one of the worst enterprise mix out there and i think you have more to talk about with that so let's get into first of all do you feel we need to narrow this down more to the cow calf side of things i guess yeah i i'd say let's talk about cow calf and, and, okay. and particularly an owned cow calf herd right okay. so so it's like uh so let's say you're you're uh you watched Yellowstone and you got excited about <laughs> Kevin Costner, right? Running around doing all that fun stuff. And, and so you decided I'm going to buy a ranch, right? And, and so you go and get a ranch and, and oftentimes the next decision is, well, I've got a ranch now let's get some cows. Right. And, and so I think that's the automatic assumption is if you're going to ranch, you need to run cows and those cows should be your cows. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that, that's the thing I'd like to explore today. And, okay. and maybe you're, it's not even just starting from scratch, right? If you've been running a multi-generation family ranch, and and you're looking at your ranching business and maybe not happy with your financial and, and economic results. Um, I think this conversation is is going to hit home for you as well. First of all, before we we jump in into the you know where you're you're coming from, are there some upsides though on a cow calf owning a cow calf herd? Yeah, yeah. So I think number one is uh, cows are a great place to build wealth. Uh, so they are in a a place that grows in equity, right? You're if for for somebody like yourself, right? You're growing that cow herd over time. It's 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 a forced savings account in in one way, right? So we're if you're keeping heifer calves back, if you're growing this cow herd, 
there is wealth building going on in that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's there's a lot of value to that, and and you know, there's probably people that are listening to this thinking, well, I'm sure glad I built that cowherd, right? Because that's what's created some wealth for me and an opportunity mm-hmm. uh, to to retire with, right? Or, or some way to step aside. Um, so, so the cows are a nice place to park some money that that builds wealth over time. Um, you know, my my argument. My counter argument to that was, well, if you were more profitable in another enterprise, you would have cash to park somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So it would you could also build wealth somewhere else, but it would it wouldn't be the forced savings account that cows are, right? Because if you're if you're growing that herd, it's essentially forcing you to take some of that money uh, that and, and use it to grow that cow herd with. Mm-hmm. So so cows are a good place to to grow money. Um, I think that that'd be the the, the first reason. Um, Cows have some real advantages from a tax perspective, right? The, you can you can depreciate them on uh, as that. Now, th- there's a catch to that, okay? Because sometimes it becomes real depreciation. If you're if you're running cows like everybody else is, that tax depreciation also becomes real depreciation, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got to replace those with with heifers and uh, or you know go out and buy cows. And if you're buying them for 2000 bucks and selling them for 800 bucks, five years later, uh, right. Then that, that tax depreciation is real depreciation. So mm-hmm. it becomes a real cost. Um, there are some advantages if you're growing that cow herd and then selling those animals uh, when they're at a high value, right. You can still on, and I'm not a tax accountant, so take this with for what it's worth, yeah. but there, there are some ways where you can still count that, um, you know, as breeding stock, right, and, and get some tax advantages to that, and also not absorb all that, right? So, kind of each have your cake and eat it too, in, in a way. So, uh, so cows have some real advantages from a tax standpoint, and and it's a nice place to build wealth. Okay, so now let's go ahead and flip the coin and look at uh, what you consider to be the real downsides to owning a set of cows. And again, I want to reemphasize this is owning cows in a cow calf operation. All right. So, so here's the biggest one I think is most people are com- are competing in the commodity market when they sell their cats, right? You're selling your cats next to everybody else. And and commodity markets by their nature are long-term break-even markets, right? So so the cost that you're selling at is going to level out at the cost of production for for the average Joe, right? Okay. So um so our competition in the cow-calf business are people that are willing to subsidize their cows with off-farm income and sell those calves uh, at, at far less than the cost of production. Um, in the, so, so that's who your competition is, right? So, so your, your competition in this commodity market is somebody that's willing to subsidize that and sell it at a loss, and here you are competing in the same market with them, right? So, so the cows are... By that nature, because there's so many people that want to play in this business, uh, the cows, by their very nature, are going to be a more competitive market for for profitability uh, than the, than the other the other markets that we could play in. Right? I mean, you don't see a lot of uh, you know doctors and lawyers saying, "Oh, I want to have a ranch, and and the thing I want to do is flip coal cows." Right? <laughs> I mean, you know that that doesn't have the same appeal that. that having this home raised cow herd that we're very proud of, right. That we can put people in the pickup and take them out and show them. And they're all one color and they're all this. And right? who cares about the profitability of them? They never talk about that because, you know, when you look at it on paper, it's a bloody mess, mm-hmm. but, but when they, yeah, so, so, so that's your competition. So you, by, I think by some of the rules of that, it's almost always going to make cow calf 
enterprise, a, a really difficult enterprise to to turn a profit in. Mm-hmm. Dallas, so when we get then, as you've if you've talked about this and you say, well, you know, there's not a lot of not a lot of upsides to this. I mean, there's there's some upsides to it, but it's more from an investment side of things. Um, what about you know what about some of these outfits that are owning their own herds? I mean, there there is some exceptions to that. So explain to me maybe how the exceptions that are making these own cow herds are working. What are they doing though that's making it work? Yeah, I, I appreciate that question because I'm I'm speaking in generalities here, right? And then when I say cow calf are not very profitable, well, there's some people that are really really profitable doing doing cows. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people on the on the marginal side, and then there's a whole pile of people that are losing their shirt doing cows. So so what are the people that are making it work doing? Um, you know, they're, they're you need to identify that competitive advantage, right? And and as you look at some of these. Uh, operations that are making cows work. Uh, and I'm, you know, I get, a, I get a look at quite a few numbers a year. So I feel like I've got some pretty good perspective mm-hmm. on this. Uh, there, there's some of these that are, that have some kind of competitive advantage that they're exploiting with that cow herd, right? Maybe it's an advantageous lease that says, Hey, this lease is set up for, for running cows on it. Right. And, and if it were on the open market lease, the, the rates would be a lot higher, but, but they've got an inroad there somehow. So they're able to lease that at, at far less than the, than the cost on the open market would be. And it's set up for running cows. Right. And, and maybe you need that, that home raised cow herd that's adapted to that country. You know, maybe it's really rough country or got some other challenges to it. Uh, so, so we can make that work. Uh, there's quite a few that are that are using the cow herd to uh, market some kind of premium product, right? So whether that is maybe we're selling bread uh, packages of bread cows, maybe those calves are going into some kind of uh, a, a market that we've worked to identify and and, and develop, you know. And I, we could all probably think of a, a dozen examples of those, um, but but there's some kind of competitive advantage that that ranch has developed over time that that allows them to do that. Uh, another example with this would be somebody that's just a, a really low cost producer. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got a a model that on the cost side of things is is beating the socks off off of their competition, right? And they're, you know, if calves are selling for 800 bucks, they're able to get them in there at, at $200 cheaper than everybody else can. Uh, so so maybe they've got some real leverage on the cost side. I, I hear a lot of talk of that and I, I see a lot of people claim that. And when we actually get down into exploring what their numbers say, that doesn't pan out. Sure. So, you know, if you're, if your listeners are thinking, yeah, that's me, I, I've got real advantages on the cost side. Um, I would challenge, I'd say, well, well then show me, right. <laughs> Prove it, put yeah. it on, put it on paper. Cause I, I hear a lot of talk to that and I, I don't see that pan out a lot. So that's one of those things I'd push back on a little bit. Um, where I get a little bit, um, bowed up is when, you have a ranch that says, hey, we're really having a tough time making things work economically, financially. Maybe I want to bring Junior back to the business. and But yet we also just want to run cows, right? We're not willing to explore other alternatives. Mm-hmm. And and I we could look at that and in you know, 30 minutes of looking at it, you could say, well, gosh, if, if we didn't have these cows and we did this, this thing would work, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and they've never taken the opportunity to seriously consider uh, what that might look like. Mm-hmm. 
Dallas, now let's talk about what are some other options or some other alternatives that we could be looking at? Uh, so so let, let's start with custom grazing because okay. in my, when I look at things economically, we kind of default to that custom grazing, right? Because there's an, something that's fairly easy to do uh, that, that's high demand for and and everything we're going to do on top of that better be should be better than that right or because or that could kind of be the default mm-hmm. right so so custom grazing I, I don't i know not everybody uses that word it's essentially getting paid for running somebody else's cow okay so you're uh, usually the custom grazer is providing feed and care for for somebody else's livestock and, and just to be fully open this is what i do uh, with our place down here around wheatland wyoming is is we take in custom grazed cattle uh for for a client we've had the same client for a long time now i'll, I'll tell you we could do other things and make more money than the, than the custom graze but for me the the cow business you know is kind of a side hustle really and so i need something that that works really well with my main job which is running the company here mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so so the custom graze aligns really well with my other with my other commitments um but but let's talk let's talk custom grace so uh, if we picked kind of a center point in the u.s i might say somewhere around that 40 dollars per cow mm-hmm. per month might might be a safe number to use for a for a custom graze rate not not everybody's going to be able to get that depending on where they are but um, but some people are going to be that's going to be way low right mm-hmm. so so let's use a 40 dollar custom graze rate so if i were to custom graze somebody else's cow for 12 months out of the year, then I would get paid $480 for grazing that cow for 12 months, right? So yeah. that's that's feed and care. Now, most people that do custom grazing are not going to do it on a 12-month basis. They're going to do it more on a, on a six-month basis, yeah. right? But, yep. but if, we, if we annualize it, now we can compare it to an owned cow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 480 bucks, that's, that's gross margin. That's essentially what they're paying me. I don't have any direct costs out of that. Right. right. So, I mean, th- th- there's some examples where I got to provide salt and mineral, but that, that would be pretty minor. So $480 gross margin on a cow. Now I'll tell you, I look at a lot of owned cows that have a gross margin somewhere around 250 bucks. Hmm. Okay. Now that we don't have time today to get into how we figure out gross margin, but, but there's the comparable, right? Yeah. So an owned cow that's making a gross margin of $250 per cow compared to a custom grazed cow that's making a gross margin of $480 per cow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so if that's the numbers, what, what those numbers are telling us is, wait a minute, we, we could sell that cow herd. We could bank that money. We could run somebody else's cow and let's even run it for six months out of the year instead of 12 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. We'll run twice the number of them, right? Twice the number of them for six months out of the year. And we'll make almost twice as much in gross margin. And that's not all that unusual to, to find that is, is that running somebody else's cow is sometimes more profitable than running our own cow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so the cu- custom grazing, I don't want your listeners to hear that I'm a, uh, telling everybody they should go out and custom graze cows, right? Mm-hmm. That's not at all what I'm saying, but I am saying it's a useful number to know, right? What what could I make by not owning a cow herd, by running somebody else's cow herd, and maybe for only doing stuff six months out of the year instead of having to be tied up here 
12 months out of the year doing taking care of these things. Well, I'll tell you, if that didn't get your head spinning just a little bit, just portion of that conversation, I don't know what will. It was uh, the number one show that we have for 2022, episode 62 on Why Own Cows. Part of my conversation with Dallas Mount, CEO for Ranch Management Consultants. And as we cut out there, no doubt there's a lot of probably other questions that you're thinking of or other topics and I would encourage you to go back and listen to this show as I have with some of the other shows in our top 10 as well because we're going to talk about some other options that he talked about in in regards to how that lines up with your values also matching up to your environment what about passing on to the next generation and also knowing your numbers a lot of different topics that we're going to talk about all in this whole concept of why owning cows a very powerful show. I encourage you to go back and listen to it again. The number one show 2022 was episode 62, Why Own Cows? And I do hope you have enjoyed us counting down to the top 10 shows of 2022. And by no means does that make all of the other shows uh, less valuable because really uh, in pretty much every show, there's some very uh, valuable information in that. Uh, this was the, these were the shows that kind of stood out among the rest in terms of downloads that we have. And, and like I had mentioned previously, even if you remember and heard that episode originally when it aired any of these shows, I encourage you to go back and listen to them again because there is no doubt something that you're going to hear differently that might be very revolutionary to your ranching business. And that's really, ultimately for me, one of the big reasons that I do these shows is so that there is maybe something in there that will help somebody just be a bit more profitable than they were the day before. Well, stay with us when we come back. Meteorologist Don Day joins us as we play a part of his conversation I had with him last week on what weather app does he advise when you're looking at those ones on your phone and all the choices out there you want to hear his answer you'll hear that coming up after the break don't keep your cow calf herd data in a notebook keep it in the cloud with performance ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes performance ranch is an easy to use app that simplifies record keeping and makes decision making easier keep track of herd inventory monitor health records and manage costs all from your ipad or iphone group texting important herd data delete it use performance ranch instead go to performancelivestockanalytics.com and be the first to know when performance ranch is ready to launch And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. And if you are a regular listener, you know that this segment is usually, well, always practically dedicated to weather as we hear from meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And in today's show, though, uh, we are going to go back and listen to uh, his answer to my question as we talked about what weather app does he advise for folks to use on their phones. It was a question that was sent in on email. uh, So I posed that out to him. And so let's cut into that conversation from last week's show to hear meteorologist Don Day answer to that question. Well, I, I get this question frequently. And what I what I do tell folks is that I think personally, the best source of information, especially when you want to be able to look out a little bit further, that five or 10 days or whatever, is uh, the National Weather Service uses weather forecasters who do take the time to interpret the models and to make corrections to them to try to make the forecast the most accurate. Um, a lot of the phone applications and a lot of the uh, online applications that you look at, for them to be able to serve the world with weather information, 
what they just do is they just automatically take the weather modeling data, raw data, and present it to you. Now, they'll present it to you in different formats. It'll look different. They've got a different way to color the maps, make different icons. But they don't have somebody acting as that human filter, so to speak, to say, you know what? That doesn't look right. I'm going to change it. Now, that doesn't necessarily help for a 10 or 15 day forecast, but I will be honest with you. I don't think it's very useful to have a 10 or 15 day forecast if it's only going to be right half the time. Mm -hmm. So I tell folks, concentrate on that five day to seven day period. That's when you're going to get the most reliability and you're going to get that from your local and national weather service office. Now, the weather service by design can't be flashy and they can't design these really awesome apps like you you yeah. see these other places provide. They can't because then the government's competing with private industry. But when it comes to agriculture, aviation, people who really need critically as accurate information as possible, go to your local weather service office is what I recommend. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day answering my question from last week as, as I had asked him what weather app or location does he advise for us to use to get weather information out there. And uh, I, as I was listening to that interview, I was thinking to myself, you know, I, next time I, I ask him that, I'm going to be really direct. I'm going to say, Mr. Meteorologist Don Day, what weather app do you have on your phone? <laughs> so we'll find that out at some point. But meteorologist Don Day joins us each and every episode his website can be found at dayweather.com you can also find him on youtube as he kicks out a weather video podcast every monday through friday morning well stay with us when we come back we'll put a wrap on this week's show we'll be back after this Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. And before we head out, just to recap again, our top three shows of 2022. At number three was episode 75, What Type of Cattle Are Setting the Price in the Marketplace. In number two was episode 82, The Six Ps to a Healthy Ranching Business. And the show that came in at number one was episode 62, Why Own Cows. And here are just a couple shows that I want to mention that the, I throw in the honorable mention category. Episode 90 on genomic testing, eliminating the guessing game. Episode 79, Drones on Today's Ranch. Episode Episode 70, Farming Without the Bank, is that an oxymoron? And episode 63, Blockchain Technology in Ranching. Be sure to find a podcast platform near you and you can download those shows. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. On behalf of all of us here at Working Ranch Radio Show, thank you. And we wish you all the very best in 2023. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.